Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Seth Lewis on what he calls the secret power of the ordinary Christian life. The life that generously gives to others, not a life that uses others to prove that we are above others, but but a life that uses whatever we have to go down in service like Jesus did. Seth Lewis, next. The world tells us meaning and significance are found in dreaming big and making a sizable impact. But the Bible tells us something different. Self-worth is found in knowing our Creator, and contentment is found in discovering His purpose for our lives, even when it may seem small and unimpressive in the world's eyes. Seth Lewis writes about this in his new book, Dream Small, The Secret Power of of the ordinary Christian life. He's a church elder in a community on the south coast of Ireland. Seth, what prompted you to explore the idea of the ordinary Christian life? Well, uh, one reason, I suppose, is because I'm living a pretty ordinary Christian life. Uh, You know, and I think like a lot of people, you know, we feel this tension of how the world is telling us that you've got to do something big and unique and different and, and something that's really recognized in order to be significant. And I look at my life and I realize that most of what I do by far is really pretty ordinary. And and yet uh, when I look at scripture, what I see is that um, what scripture calls us to as Christians is not what the world is calling us to. The Bible does not tell us to be the biggest and the most unique and the most and the most impressive. The Bible tells us to be faithful, and that's going to come out most of the time in small things. Um, now it can come out in big things, and I'm not saying that that's bad in any way. But I am saying that actually, the m- fundamentals of the Christian life, the most important things in the kingdom of God, are actually things that the world usually considers small. And, and tell us about the title, "Dream Small." I'm not saying that big things are, are bad. I'm not saying that um, having that you just shouldn't have ambition. I want to have ambition. Paul says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and to work with your hands. And that, that sounds pretty strange to our modern ears. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what he was on to and what the Bible tells us is that um, we should be ambitious, but we need to be aiming that ambition in the right direction. We need to be aiming it at things that actually really matter for eternity. And those are not the same things that the world tells us to aim our ambition at. And you write, to dream small isn't to miss out on God's plan for our lives, but it's actually to find His plan, to become a a part of His plan. Yes, and I think that's really freeing because um, a lot of times when the world says, you know, dream big, what they're saying is that we need to out of ourselves and out of our own desires and whatever, we need to create our own meaning. We need to create our own significance, uh, our own value. And the way that we do that is by going as big as possible, making ourselves as big as, as, as we possibly can. And then maybe we can prove to everyone else that we are valuable, that what we do is significant because it's just so big. But the Bible says that we are not 
here to just write our own story, that we are not here to just make ourselves in the greatest thing that we can personally, but we're actually part of something much, much bigger than ourselves. We're part of God's plan that he's been writing through all of history, this, this incredible story of redemption. And God gave us a place in that. Um, and Psalm 139 talks about how all our days are written in his book before one of them comes to be. So he's written us into his story. When you think about the significance of what God is doing in history, you know, the smallest place in that story is more important, more significant than the biggest place that I can make for myself. And the subtitle of your book, Dream Small, is The Secret Power of the Ordinary Christian Life. And when we think of ordinary, of course, we think of average. What do you mean by the ordinary Christian life? When we look at what at the things that Jesus tells us to do, he's talking about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. These are the priorities of, of the kingdom of heaven. So this is this is the ordinary life of a Christian. This is how we live out um, the the Christian life. And the world is going to see that as pretty ordinary as well. You know, uh, Jesus talked about how do we love God? Well, he talked about, um, you know, praying in your closet where nobody's going to see you except God and, um, and not to do it in a way that's impressive, not to do your giving for others and in front of others, but just just do it, just serve others, um, serve the least of these, um, give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, he said. And these are not the kinds of things that the world is impressed by. They look really, really ordinary, but this is the shape of the Christian life. And, and you say that the uh, the most significant Christian life is the most ordinary. Th- that's how we're supposed to live. Yeah, well, this is where our ambitions should be aimed, because these are the things that actually matter in the kingdom of God. So if the point is not how high we get on the world's ladder of success or how low we are. It doesn't, that's just really not the point. We can use whatever level we're at to aim our ambition at these small things that matter most. Well, the book is Dream Small, The Secret Power of the Ordinary Christian Life, and my guest is the author, Seth Lewis. He's talking to us from Ireland. Uh, He's an elder at the Middleton Baptist Church on the uh, south coast of Ireland, and you were talking about success and kind of contrasting the world's view of success and God's view. And how how does the the world, how even perhaps a lot of us, even Christians, tend to measure success if our lives are successful, if we have purpose, and then how does God's measure of success compare? Yeah, well, I mean, Jesus talked to his disciples. He said, you know, the rulers, um, the rulers among you, they... They lorded over people, and they um, they used their authority, and, and and we're used to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We're used to people trying to leverage whatever they have to get themselves above others, and and for other people to recognize our greatness, and um, and so then we have to set ourselves apart from others and show that we are somehow better. We've achieved more. We've uh, got a bigger platform we've got a bigger uh, we've got more money we've got more success something to set ourselves apart from others this is success in the world's system but in god's kingdom it is actually completely opposite jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant and he said for the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life so jesus starts with everything he's the king of heaven 
He has all the wealth, all the riches, all the authority, everything that we could ever dream, way more than we could ever dream. And what does he do with that? He goes down in service. And so the, the successful Christian life is the life that generously gives to others, not a life that uses others to prove that we are above others, but, but a life that uses whatever we have to go down in service like Jesus did. And you write in your book uh, that when we come to Jesus, when we come to faith in him, believe in him, that actually our dreams change. This is one of my favorite things because um, one of the reasons they change is because all of a sudden we have in Christ everything that we were looking for from our big dreams. So a lot of times with our big dreams, what are we trying to get? We're trying to get, trying to prove that we're valuable. We're trying to maybe win other people's love and respect. We're trying to prove that our lives have meaning and significance. But when we come to Christ, we discover that we already have all those things in him. When we belong to him, we are valued. We are loved beyond what we can imagine. We, Our lives, everything we do has a huge significance in his kingdom and his plan. We're made for a specific purpose. Uh, Paul says for good works, that he created us for good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. So we have all of that. We have the value, we have the significance, we have the meaning, we have it all. And we have it so much more than we can even imagine. And so then our dreams begin to change because now instead of working our way up to win those things, we can have those things in Christ and work our way down to give generously out of all that we have. So we're going in the opposite direction, but we're going from fullness and then giving generously out of that. It's interesting, in your book, I think toward the latter end, Seth, uh, your book, Dream Small, you talk about the influence of your, your grandfather and your father in, in this very respect, in this very context. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so it's my, it's my great-grandfather was a, um, he was working with uh, an inner city mission in Chicago. It was the YMCA back when it was um, in the early days, when it was the Young Men's Christian Association. It was really Christian and right. evangelistic and really trying to help people on the ground. And he he kept himself very much on the ground. He had opportunities to to rise in the ranks and, and achieve more success, really, as the world would count it. And yet he didn't want to do that because um, he wanted to be just right there on the ground where he could really interact with the people that were in need that were coming in for help. And so he his salary stayed low, his titles stayed unimpressive, and yet he stayed there at the door to welcome the people in um, and serve them. And, but then his son, um, my grandfather became quite a successful in the Sears Roebuck and Company um, hierarchy. And um, so he, he became very successful, but I, what I see in both of their lives is that they actually both lived for the same priorities that whether it was with keeping my great-grandfather keeping himself small, or whether it was my grandfather being quite high up in the world's measure of, of success, he actually didn't live for that success. He used his time, his money, his his energy, and even his connections at work and everything um, for the kingdom of God in, in many different ways. So you can live for these same priorities from all different circumstances of life. You can have the success, you can, or you cannot have it. You can you can live low, you can live high, 
that's not really the point. The point is, what are you living for? What are you aiming at? You write that, uh, and I think you may have alluded to this a little bit already, but uh, the fact that that we are actually small, and you go to to a lot of effort to illustrate that, that uh, I think it was, was it the Voyager that took a picture of Earth from some distance away, I forget what it was, and how tiny... So far, yeah. How tiny the planet is, and then how tiny we are on that tiny planet, and yet, as we live our lives, we sometimes think... We are the authors of our of our own story, and everyone else is kind of playing a supporting role. And yet, in reality, we're simply, God has graciously allowed us to be a part of his story. No, it is amazing. When you actually think about, and yet now we have like the James Webb Telescope sending us pictures of even more galaxies than we've ever seen before. And, and we did keep discovering how just extremely massive the universe is and how tiny we are in comparison. I think it's a good object lesson for us of our relative size compared to God, uh, that he can speak a universe like this into existence. And we live on just one little little speck in the corner of it. And yet, God cares about us. Mm-hmm. Like David said in the psalm, you know, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care about him. But God does care about us. He cares about the tiny details of our lives, like how many hairs are on our head. He cares about a sparrow falling from to the ground. He cares deeply about the small things, and he has made a place for us in his story. It's incredible when you think about it. And so when we think that we are part of God's story, we are. he has allowed us to be a character for whatever length of time in his story. How, how does that, I mean, if we just think about that for a little bit, does that affect how we live our lives? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really freeing because we don't have to invent the best thing we can for ourselves. Um, and, you know, life ne- doesn't go to plan. It, it just never does. <laughs> uh, there's always an right. unexpected. Yeah. So that's very frustrating. It's very, um, it's a huge amount of pressure to put on ourselves. And yet what we can do is we can, we can actually be free to just follow God's plan for us. It's very freeing, but it's also liberating that we can just we can have the assurance that what we're doing matters. If we're doing it for the Lord, if we're following him, um, then even the, even the smallest details matter. Like Jesus saying, you know, you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, then you will not lose your reward. He doesn't just notice, he rewards these things. So we can have this great confidence that it doesn't, it doesn't really matter how big or small our life is. The priorities of heaven are right in front of us. We can love God. We can love people right where we are. It matters for eternity. I love uh, how you put it in your book. You say that every moment of every day for every citizen of God's kingdom, even in the midst of, uh, well, you, you, uh, the to-do list, the mundane to-do list where we have all of these things to do, whether whether at the workplace or whether at home, but even in the midst of the mundane to-do list, everything we do is alive with eternal significance. And you think about even the way that God provides for his children. Um, it is mostly in ordinary kind of ways. He even said to us, you know, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. That's, you know, just ordinary everyday kind of provision. But God provides for all his children that kind of way every day. And, you know, there are times when God does the big miracles too. But most of his work in our lives is kind of in the in the details. And we can reflect his kind of love, his kind of provision in the details as well. And that is important. That is 
massively important. That is actually most of the way the kingdom of God moves forward. And you explained this a little bit earlier, but the, the fact that Jesus came down, he had everything, as you said, he became small, he became man, shows us that the path of glory was sloped, I think the phrase you use is sloped down. Yeah, that's what he did. He came from the highest place, and he came down to the bottom of human society and served, humbled himself and served. And then he's exalted to the highest place, above the name above every name. But the, the rewards of heaven go to people who live in the same way, who go down in humble service for others. And uh, as you're explaining, uh, God loves, he creates, uh, we're all small, we're all in one sense insignificant, and in another sense he imbues us with great significance, and yet at the same time you say that even rich young rulers, to take a character from the scripture, can also have small dreams. They can Mm -hmm. also live in this way. Yeah, so there's this story of, of Jesus meeting the rich young ruler, and he tells him to give everything away. And that's because the rich young ruler was putting those things above loving God. And it was really just, you know, he was living for the world's kind of dreams. He was making himself as big as possible, and he was using other people to get himself up above, you know, higher and higher. And um, so Jesus knew that this man needed to give that up. But that is not always the way... It is with people that have a lot of what the world values. You can, you actually can, it is possible to have a lot of what the world values and still live for the priorities of heaven. But we have to be very careful in that position because it is very tempting because the world says these are the valuable things. It's very tempting to kind of lose focus mm-hmm. and think, yeah, this is the valuable thing. When in reality, um, those things are all very temporary. The fame, the fortune, um, the authority, anything that we have that the world values, they're going to pass away really, really quickly in the light of eternity. But the things that the world overlooks, that's the stuff that lasts forever. So if you have the, the temporary things that the world values, no problem, that's fine. But use it for the priorities of heaven. Use it for the stuff, you know, store up treasure in heaven that's going to last My guest is Seth Lewis, and we're talking about his book, Dream Small, The Secret Power of the Ordinary Christian Life. And that whole concept of the ordinary Christian life, Seth, it seems like it's been explored, not in the way that you're doing it uh, exactly, but in some other ways in recent times. uh, D.A. Carson wrote a book uh, about his dad, The Ordinary Pastor, and there's some others like this. What is it? What is the attraction about being ordinary that it seems to to be appealing to uh, maybe at this moment in time where maybe previously it was always about the exceptional Christian life. What is it about ordinary that's capturing our attention? I mean, probably because most of us are ordinary. I mean, most of us will always be ordinary. Mm-hmm. You can't have everybody being exceptional or that becomes ordinary. Right. So, um, But the thing is, this is always going to be a tension with us that um, the world is, is calling us to prove ourselves in some way to to make ourselves great and to value that kind of thing. And, and God is saying, um, you know, it's not really about what other people think and how they value. It's about, are you following? Are you loving God? Are you loving people? Are you serving Him faithfully? And I'm wondering, what kind of uh, feedback are you hearing right now? Uh, it, it seems like people are responding to it in surprising ways. 
Yeah, well, I've I've gotten some feedback from people that are saying that it's really helped them to kind of rethink things, and um, I I love that. I love the thought that it it could help people to to rethink um, and, and to think about scripture differently, I suppose, and and see it in a new light. Maybe connect some dots. Uh, it was certainly good for me. Um, just the whole process of writing it helped me to think through these things a lot more, and it was it was very helpful in my own life. So I hope that it can be in others as well. Did it cause you to make any changes in your life? Yeah, I suppose it's just more kind of keeping that focus and and checking your your attitudes and and your desires. Like, why do I want this? Why am I doing these things? Mm-hmm. Because Am I really valuing what what God values? Am I overlooking people that God loves? You know, I don't want to do that. Uh, I don't want to get distracted by something the world values and lose sight of the people and things that God values. So I'm wondering, how does your book is Dream Small: The Secret Power of the Ordinary Christian Life? How does it affect? And you've talked about this a bit, but common decisions like where to live, where to work, how to use our money, how to raise our children, and so on. Yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. My, uh, We were talking a little bit earlier about my grandfather, who mm-hmm. was quite successful in the Sears company. And one of the things, I mean, you, you talked about the, these decisions of like even where to live. So when he got that job and the headquarters of Sears, at that time it was in the, the Sears Tower, which has changed names now, but... Um, at that time, tallest building in the world and all the rest. Yeah. And so when they when they moved to Chicago for him to take up that position, um, they needed to find a place to live. And he was getting a significant salary because of his high position. And um, But that's not what they wanted to prioritize. So what they did was they, the first thing they did was they looked for a faithful church that they could connect with a church that was really reaching out to their community that was teaching the Bible faithfully somewhere that where they could really get involved and be active members. So they found a really good church um, and then they bought a house near it. It was in a very kind of normal neighborhood, mm-hmm. not big houses. His colleagues, his coworkers at, at work would have had much bigger houses and much bigger, more impressive neighborhoods. But they chose that place because they wanted to get involved with the ministry of that church. And they did. Um, they were constantly giving hospitality to people um, from the area, sometimes people from work, sometimes people from in need from the area or people from the church or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they used that house very effectively. Uh, but it wasn't impressive. But that wasn't the point because they, what they wanted was to serve. And so I think that's, in my life, that, that's been a very good example to me of of living with that kind of priority, making these decisions with those kind of kingdom priorities, not with the world's priorities. It's not about how impressive I can be. It's about how well can I serve others. Seth, I I can't help but to ask you, and I I discovered this not from the book, but just I I think it was from an interview that you did online, but you actually were, were born and raised in the U.S., is that correct? Yes. And you, you now here you've moved to Ireland, you and your family live. Is that related to what we're talking about? Yeah, it is actually, because um, I went to Bible college with the intention of, of working at, in a church in America. But then I started to, my wife and I, well, we weren't married yet, but my wife, who she would become my wife. We were involved in a missions uh, club at 
the Bible college mm-hmm. and we started to hear more and more about different places in the world and just the, how there just were not enough people. There weren't enough workers. There weren't enough laborers in the harvest. So we decided that um, we would go to another place where there weren't just weren't as many people on the ground. And that was a decision we made um, primarily for the reason that we, we felt like things um, we, we wanted to use our lives in, in, in a place that needed more support. And that means that um, where we are, we tend to do things on a much, much smaller scale. The churches are, are small. They're, they're spread around. Um, everything we do is, is much smaller. And uh, we love it. Well, my guest, Mr. Seth Lewis, an elder at Middleton Baptist Church on the south coast of Ireland. We're talking about his book, Dream Small, The Secret Power of the Ordinary Christian Life. There's so much more uh, in the book, uh, Seth. We're we're touching on uh, a number of aspects, though, and you you do say that this kind of life, and you've basically described this to us, the ordinary Christian life as described, as lived by Jesus, described in the scriptures throughout, that it brings freedom. What kind of freedom does it bring? It brings a freedom that I don't have to, I don't have to create my value. I don't have to create my meaning. I don't have to create my significance. Uh, I can live in the confidence and the assurance that God loves me more than I can imagine. That my life and you know that He put me here for a reason. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He wrote my days out before they were, one of them came to be. He prepared good works for me in advance. So I don't need to prove anything. I have everything I need in Christ. I have more than I can even imagine in Christ. And I can, out of that abundance, I can give generously. I can just give. And that is what my life is here. That's why I'm here. I'm here to give out of all that God has given me. It does not have to look big to the world to be significant. I don't have to prove anything. I have everything I need in Christ. My job is just to give it generously to others. And he cares, God cares about people that the world doesn't notice. And he cares about service that the world doesn't notice. So it doesn't matter if my giving to others is even even registers to other people in their measure of, of me. That's that, That's just not the point. Um, God notices, God cares, and God rewards much, much more than the world does anyway. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Seth Lewis, author of Dream Small, The Secret Power of the Ordinary Christian Life. He's a church elder in a community on the south coast of Ireland. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Adam Mabry on what to do when it feels like God isn't there. Sometimes the biggest exercise of faith that we can have is perseverance. Mm-hmm. Just waking up the next day and saying, okay, God, I trust you. Mm-hmm. And while I'm waiting on the healing, I'll serve you. That's tomorrow at the same time, right here on His People. Thanks for listening.